Well, a very good morning and welcome to you. And uh, it's good to see you. It's good to be here today. And welcome. Just trusting that the Lord, your helper, will be a reality to you today. Well, it's been an interesting week. I don't know if any of you have noticed what's been going on. Some of you. And uh, we continue to live in interesting times. And there's so much going on both here and around the world at the moment. And I must admit, I am intrigued. Just this week, we saw many different political leaders speaking at the United Nations. Who have you heard some of them? I mean, Mr. Gaddafi was giving it a go. Mr. Mugabe was giving it a go. Mr. Obama was giving it a go. Mr. Zuma was giving it a go. And I wondered who else. And then I watched Benjamin Netanyahu giving it a go. And I watched the Iranian uh, prime minister or president. And I just realized we are in a divided world. And I was amazed just to hear. And then I heard the president of Iran being interviewed And he said, we are an ancient nation, seven and a half thousand years. And the Jews are a young nation. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not sure what part of the world I'm in. (laughs) And, And everybody was throwing stones at everybody else. And everybody was having their little say. In the midst of that, we had our own personal challenges in the week. Our home was violated, not once, but twice. Fortunately, um, we were away on both instances. And in the midst of all that, on Friday, we're traveling in the car. My girls are sitting in the back, and my wife is sitting next to me. And... uh, I said to my wife, I said, what do you think God would say in the midst of all of this? What do you think God would say to the people? What do you think is the message on his heart? And there's silence in the car, and I can see even the two little girls are listening at the back. Then my little girl looks out the window and she says, hey, Dad, flying pigs! There was an advert for an estate agency, and their logo was Flying Pigs because they can make the impossible happen, and they can make pigs fly. And my daughter was very intrigued with Flying Pigs. I thought for a moment, and I thought, well, God, you can make pigs fly, you can do the impossible. And you're my helper. And then I was reminded of a scripture that the Lord brought to mind when I did Jenny Blackwell's funeral. And it was the scripture, and I'm going to read it in a moment, but just the phrase, hitherto has the Lord helped us. Up to this point, God has helped us. Listen to me. Up to this point, God has helped you. You are here today because God has undertaken to this point. 
I am here today because God has undertaken to this point. And I'm so thankful for that. And God is our helper. A very present help in times of need. And that's why I want to encourage you today and remind you that the Lord is your helper and He is here for you. And I'm trusting that it will just be an encouragement to you. This morning, as I was just checking Facebook, there was a quote that somebody had put on by Angus Buckham. And this is the quote. He said, The seed of a miracle lies not in difficulty, but in impossibility. Pigs can fly. The seed of a miracle lies not in the difficulty, but in the impossibility. And I want to remind you what is physically impossible is not impossible with God. Would you turn to 1 Samuel? I want to read that story to you. 1 Samuel chapter 7, from verse 7 to verse 13. I am battling a little bit with my voice today, so bear with me. 1 Samuel chapter 7. From verse 7. The nation of Israel here was busy with the time of uh, really setting apart their lives and dealing with things. And in, in the midst of all of this, the Philistines decide to attack them. And you can read about it from verse 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7 from verse 7. And we'll be reading to verse 13. And it says, The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Now, I think any of us would be badly frightened when we hear there's an army coming against us. And in verse 8 they said to Samuel, Plead with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines. So Samuel took a young lamb and he offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered. That's the thing. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines arrived. Now, just notice here, the Lord answered, but the Philistines arrived. And no answer like that to me, thank you. The Lord answered. And the very next verse says, the Philistines arrived for battle. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. Verse 11, the men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. And Samuel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Joshana. And he named it Ebenezer, the stone of help. He said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And so the Philistines were subdued and they didn't invade Israel again for a long time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. 
And for me, this whole scripture, thus far the Lord has been with us, or the Lord has helped us, has just been an encouragement to me, and I wanted to encourage you today. I wanted to start off by saying life is unpredictable. You don't know what it's going to bring. I was just talking to somebody outside this morning. He says, if he has to carry another coffin, he's going to... I understand. Sometimes life is just... It's full of things we couldn't have anticipated. Perhaps things that are difficult to handle. And there are no guarantees in life. and Nothing is sure. Something that's sure for one moment may not be sure the next. And here the nation of Israel was minding their own business, busy with their own things, sorting out their own issues. And, and along come the Philistines to attack. And I tell you, the same is true in our lives. We can be busy, even with the work of the Lord. And along can come some enemy and seek to engage us in battle. We don't know. My father used to always say, constant change is yet to stay. Constant change is yet to stay. I remember one day somebody went and made a little poster of that. Constant change is yet to stay. And every letter was in a different color. And I thought it was so amateur. But I want to tell you, every letter of life can be a different color. And when you're expecting it to be green, it can be red. It reminds me of these high-felt storms that I'm beginning to long for. It can be a perfectly beautiful, calm, hot summer's day. And in the afternoon, the black clouds will roll over here. And the weather will turn. We have, for years, had a farm in the Eastern Cape that my grandfather bought. And uh, one of the things down there, it's right at the coast, is that the weather is so unpredictable. And all the volleys come on holiday there. And they think it's a lovely idea to leave the windows open. Now, it is a lovely idea to leave the windows open while you're there. But you don't go away for five minutes without closing the windows. Why? Because at any time, the weather can change. And, I, and you know, we had my grandfather put these old cottage pane wooden windows in. And the volleys would come down, open the window, and go to the beach. And the weather would change, and the window would be ripped off. And so we'd screw it back. Now, I'm a volley, so I can say that. I think they call them Gautengers nowadays. Anyway, then it would happen again, and again, and again. And eventually, we would move the hinge up the frame, and down the frame, until there was no wood left to anchor the window because it had been ripped off so many times. And the more we'd put notices in and say, if you leave your unit, please close the window, the more it would happen. Now we've got clever, we've got aluminium windows that go like this and if the wind blows, they blow them shut. So it's, it's a solution. 
But you see, that's what life is like. You know, we open the window today because it's sunny. And this afternoon there's a storm. That's why we need a helper. That's why we need a helper. And do you know that you can call on the Lord at any time? That's point number two. First point was life is unpredictable. Secondly, you can call on the Lord. And here the Philistines come against the nation of Israel and they had the, the sense to call on the Lord. In verse 8, they begged Samuel, plead with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines. So Samuel took a, a young lamb and offered to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel and the Lord answered. And you mustn't forget to call on the Lord in whatever it is that you're going through. Don't forget to call on Him. Many times we just want to rely on our own strength and run on our own strength. Thirdly, let me say God, God's ways are not our ways. And I don't know what the Israelites were expecting, but I don't think they were expecting the enemy still to arrive after the Lord had heard and answered their prayer. I'm telling you, sometimes the, the enemy can arrive and you are convinced that this is dealt with. What is this that's going on? And then the enemy is standing in front of you. And then it says that God spoke in a loud voice. And uh, everything changed. Perhaps the Israelites would have preferred that the enemy be removed. I would have preferred that. But no. The enemy comes right into their camps and the, the Philistines arrived for battle, but at that very point the Lord spoke in a mighty voice of thunder from heaven and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. And I want to remind you that God works in unexpected ways. God works in unexpected ways. Don't come with your preconceived ideas but say, God, you are sovereign. We give you right of way. It says in Isaiah 55, verse 9, don't turn there. It says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Point number four. Point number one was life is unpredictable. Point number two, call on the Lord. Point number three, God's ways are not our ways. Point number four, face to face with the enemy. No one likes to be face to face with the enemy. But God actually allowed this battle to come face to face. The Philistines came into the camp. And I want to tell you, sometimes God will allow the battles to come this close. And you've got to look them in the eye. And you've got to defeat it. For myself, I can tell you that's been a reality. For our family, we came face to face with the enemy of depression. And we stared it in the eye. We looked it in the eye. And it wasn't easy. I don't know why God didn't remove that enemy. But boy... We had to look it in the eye. 
was a living reality. It wasn't a joke. We had to look it in the eye. And we, we, we had to say, you will not defeat us. You will not. You will not come and destroy further. We had to look the enemy in the eye. And today God has allowed us to enjoy victory. And sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes we have to stare poverty, bankruptcy, weakness, sickness, depression, discouragement, fear, or even death in the face and overcome it. We wish it would just move past the outskirts of the city and not touch us, but sometimes it stares us in the face and we have to respond. And it may be that in that moment we want to turn to all sorts of things to, to help us, to, to cause us to be able to manage it. I remember years ago a lady coming to me one day with a bottle of pills. And she said to me, here are some pills for you. And I said, what for? She said, well, they're homeopathic, so they're natural, but they take the edge off of life. They'll take the edge off of life. What? Take the edge off of life. And you see, sometimes when we face to face with the enemy, we'll look for other things. We'll look for other things to compensate instead of looking that enemy in the eye and saying, no, you will not touch me. I will not let you have a right over my family or my life. You can give a good stare down. It's a good boxing practice to stare the opponent down. <laughs> And um, you see, sometimes when, when we're in a corner and we're facing a battle, we can do things that we would otherwise never do. Just before I got married, about a week or two before I got married, there was lots of stress and lots of pressure and lots of things were happening. And uh, So the one day I had to go home for something and then get back to the office and I was rushing with the car and we had a beautiful little Maltese poodle. And in my rush, I rode over the Maltese poodle. Froda was her name. And she was a very sweet dog that we'd been given. And um, it, she wasn't killed. But when I got out of the car, my heart was broken. Because I loved this dog. And immediately and instinctively, I went to the dog to help the dog. And the dog bit me right <laughs> through my nail of my thumb. And I had to sort of go like this through my wedding. I don't know what, if you know what it's like to have a, a hole through your... But you see, sometimes when we're backed in a corner, we can act in a strange way. And we must be careful of that. We must have the presence of mind to realize my family is under attack. Or my life is under attack. Or my marriage is under attack. Or my children are under attack. I'm not going to start 
biting the hand that feeds me. I'm not going to start blaming God and saying, but why you, you know, couldn't you have? I've got to run to the hand that feeds me. I've got to run to the helper. Point number five. During these seasons, don't befriend the enemy. We're going through difficult times financially. It's a difficult time in the country, in the world. They're talking about a one world reserve currency. Boy, it sounds like the start of end times. They had one man speaking about, do you foresee that there will be a one world currency? He said, it may take a hundred years, it may take fifty years, it may take twenty years, he says, but I'm prepared to bet a lot of money on it. That'll happen. We're living in end times. Don't befriend the enemy. Don't befriend the enemy. And the devil knows this season that you're in, and he's waiting to pounce. It says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We're not alone. But you see, here now the Philistines arrive in the, in the camp of the Israelites. God makes this loud noise. They're thrown into confusion. They are defeated but then what happens? The Israelites have to go after them. And the Israelites have to kill them. Let me read it to you. It's pretty gruesome. It says, the Philistines, in verse 10, if you're still there, the Philistines were thrown into such confusion and the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Now, when you're dealing with the enemy that's seeking to destroy you, you cannot run along the way as you're chasing him away and make friends with him. You have to destroy him. You have to be ruthless with the enemy. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a story, and if I had time, I'd read it to you, because it's such an incredible story. But it's a story about after the Israelites have got into the Promised Land, they've conquered Jericho and Ai, and the next place they need to conquer is Gibeon. And what happens is the Gibeonites, the people living there, they hear, you know, these Israelites are having great success. We must work a plan to, to make peace with them. So they make up this elaborate deception. They wear old clothes, worn out shoes. They take bread that's got mold on it already. And they come to the Israelites and they say, we have come from a far place to make peace with you. And, and uh, Joshua asked, he said, but are you not from clothes? No, look, our shoes are worn out. The bread is moldy. Our clothes are worn out. Look at us. And so what does Israel do? They make peace with the Gibeonites. And then they discovered that Gibeon was just three days away. And well, they've made peace. They've, they've signed a peace treaty. 
They've sworn before God they will not harm these people. These people have deceived them. They are the enemy. And God expected them to honor the peace treaty. You make peace with the enemy. And God will expect you to honor that peace treaty. Don't make peace with the enemy. Whatever you do. And it might sound like a hard word today. But in these times that we are living in, don't make peace with the enemy. Now I went and researched who are the modern Gibeonites. And I couldn't get a clear answer. But one of the suggestions is Palestinians. Another suggestion is the, the, the group that went down to Ethiopia. That's why there's a strong Jewish community. I think they consider themselves the lost tribe or something like that. But it's not clear. But whatever it is, for us it's a symbol. We must not make peace with the enemy. And I want to tell you, you can make peace with, you can make peace with the enemy. How? Well, I believe that there's many ways. In, your, in that time when the battle is face to face, you can turn to other things. Maybe years ago God delivered you from smoking. You haven't smoked for years. Now the pressure's on and you say, oh, you know, it was such a comfort back there when I could just smoke a bit. If I could just have a smoke now, would you take the pressure off? Maybe you think, oh, you know, the battle is so hard here. It's just uh, something that can take the edge off it. Isn't there something that can take the edge off it? Maybe a little alcohol, or maybe a little gambling, maybe a little lotto, or something like that. Let's just get something else here. And what happens is you make peace with the enemy. And you bring the enemy into a peace treaty with you. And I want to tell you, we must never do that. And it could be drugs. I want to tell you, drugs present themselves, and they say, will take the edge off of life for you. But they are deceptive like the Gibeonites. They have another strategy. And the strategy is to get you hooked and destroy you. You can turn to medication, pornography, gambling, dishonesty, corruption, wickedness. You can turn to negativity, pessimism, discouragement, even depression, or throwing in the towel. And I want to encourage you today, don't befriend the enemy. When you are down, I tell you, these other things look so attractive, but they come with deception. They come seeking to destroy, not to comfort. They come seeking to bring devastation, not help you through. There is only one who will help you through. He is the Prince of Peace. And you make your peace agreement with the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace says, you can do all things when I strengthen you. Sometimes we can make peace with sickness. We can begin to believe, okay, I'm sickly. Let's just... Sign the peace agreement. I'm sickly. And then we begin to be sickly. And eventually that can come in and destroy you. Sometimes we can say, 
I sign a peace agreement, I'm going to be offended. I'm offended. <laughs> Maybe it rings a bell. I'm offended. Or, I have every right, I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to, I'm going to befriend the enemy. I'm going to take what he offers, bitterness, and I'm going to take it for myself. That's what Eve did in the Garden of Eden. You see, the serpent came along and said, you know, surely you know better than God. And she thought, for a moment, if I befriend the enemy and take his advice, I'm going to be better off. And she was not. Do not befriend the enemy. Point number six. Befriend your helper. Your helper is here to help you. And as we look back over our lives today, I believe we know that God has undertaken to have brought us this far. Look to your helper. Establish a peace treaty with your helper. That's what salvation is all about. Do it. Don't, don't let it lag. He has helped you in the course of life to get to this point. He has brought you through the storms of life and through the battles, the victories, the joys, and the heartache. And sometimes we must just stop and take a moment to remember. And that's what the nation of Israel did. They took a moment, they took a stone, and they said, this stone is called Ebenezer. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. And they stopped and they remembered. And I want to encourage you today, as you face the future, whatever it may be that you're facing in your business, your health, your marriage, your life, your career, whatever it may be, take a moment and say, God, yes, you've helped. You've brought me this far. And you know what? By implication, he's going to take you on. And he's going to be your helper. It's in his character to do so. Last point, number seven. The hand of God is with you. Some of you came to church today and you asked the Lord for a message. This is it. The hand of God is with you. Now, put aside what you may be feeling or thinking for a moment. The hand of God is with you. If we go and look at that story in verse 13, it says, So the Philistines were subdued. They didn't make friends with the enemy. They chased those enemies and they were ruthless towards them. And the Philistines were subdued. And they didn't invade Israel again for a long time. And throughout Saul's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. Well, I want to tell you, I believe the hand of God is here today to be raised against those things that would seek to destroy you, your finances, your health, your marriage, your children, your relationships, your career, your business, and whatever. The powerful, mighty hand of the Lord, I believe, is with us today. And if we will just realize it, be alert. Don't let the enemy deceive you. He will come with a deceptive strategy. And he will come with deceptive words. Don't be deceived. Don't befriend the enemy. Befriend your helper. Just lastly, I read this interesting 
word for the day that came from my friends at uh, Radio Pulpit. And the heading is, Don't Quit Now. Are you thinking about quitting? Life's full of quitting points. But if you throw in the towel on your marriage, your ministry, your job, or your dream, you may regret it for the rest of your life. Only by staying in the race can God strengthen you and make you a winner. F.B. Mayer says, You never test the resources of God until you attempt the impossible. Quitting doesn't build character. Endurance does. It develops something in you that nothing else can. That's why God says it is blessed. It sustains courage, gives staying power to discipline and turns dreams into reality. Nobody knew more about endurance than Jesus Christ. He endured all the way to the cross. When they plucked the hair from his face, when they whipped all his flesh, when they nailed him to the cross, when his friends forsook him, when bystanders mocked him, when God himself turned his face away, when hell rose up and cried, Quit! No. He said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And remember, God rewards those who earnestly and persistently seek him. The Bible says you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart. These promises and the promises in the word of God apply to your life. Don't settle for anything less. Don't befriend the enemy. Take the battle head on. Tell the devil you have no right in my situation and begin to believe him to be your helper and to give you the victory perhaps in unexpected ways. And maybe pigs can fly. Maybe the impossible can happen. Maybe it will if you'll put your hand in the hand of your helper today. I'd like to pray for those who are facing a battle head on. You know it. I don't need to explain it to you. But it's like you are looking the devil in the eye over any area of your life. Would you stand with me now? I want to pray for you. You see, the truth of the matter is no one is exempt. It's not male or female, old or young, single or married. The devil wants to destroy each and every one. So what does he do? He sends them, he sends his strongest army. And sometimes we have to stand up and say, I see you, I look you in the eye, and no. No, sirree. And you know what? God, when I believe in that moment, He can do anything from remove the enemy. In some cases, He does. In other cases, He blows and makes a big noise. In some cases, they would begin to praise and worship, and God would bring the victory. You see? So we don't know. There's no recipe. But the Bible does say resist the enemy. Stand firm. And today, I'm standing with you to resist the enemy in my life, in my family, in, in our country, and around the world. Because we want to stand up and say, 
uh-uh. And we want, to, we want to almost make a declaration today and say, Lord, we will not befriend the enemy. But you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother, and we're going to stick to you.